The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. John and Ken Show. John Cobell, Ken Champo, KFI, AM640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we begin this hour by once again talking to uh, Bjorn Lombard, president of the Copenhagen Consensus. Is a visiting fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institution. He's been on our show several times before. His latest book, False Alarm, How Climate Change Panic Costs Us Trillions, Hurts the Poor, and Fails to Fix the Planet. And just so you know, he is a believer in climate change, but he comes at it from a different yeah. perspective. Generally, he believes we have to adapt and innovate. And all this panic is just comical and bizarre. Let's get Bjorn on here. How are you? Hey, I'm good. It's great to be here, John. Good, good to have you on again. All right. So you've got a story. Headline is, how can Europe stop using Russian gas, nuclear power, and fracking? Let, let's, let's talk about those two. Uh, what, what is the argument against nuclear power? It is clean. It's cheap. It's reliable. Uh, there's plenty of nuclear reactors around the world. What, what, it, what is the issue here? So I think there's two issues. One is emotional. So a lot of people are really worried about nuclear. Uh, but remember, we've had lots and lots of nuclear for now 40 years. And even when it goes the worst possible you can imagine, like we saw in Fukushima and, uh, and in Chernobyl, it still only kills a very, very tiny fraction compared to what you know coal kills every month. Uh, so it's not like energy consumption is not dangerous. It's dangerous in different ways. And nuclear is probably one of the safest ones. I would take exception to your argument, though, that it's cheap. It's true that continuing using existing nuclear power plants is incredibly cheap because you've already built them. You've already committed to eventually decommissioning them. So the expensive costs have already been incurred. So stopping using them like you know, we're doing in California with Diablo Canyon or in New York with Indian Point is just dumb. And and likewise in in Germany when they are decommissioning where they're basically taking out working nuclear power plants 
That's just dumb because you're taking out stuff that's not only CO2 neutral, but incredibly cheap to operate. But building new power plants, unfortunately, turns out to be pretty expensive if you look at the new power plants in Finland and the UK and France, many other places, they're often much more expensive. And so what we need in order to get smarter nuclear for the future is really you know, the cheap fourth generation nuclear, and we're still not there, uh, but that's what innovation could help with. So don't shut down existing nuclear power plants and make sure we develop uh, better and cheaper and safer nuclear uh, power plants in the fourth generation. What about what about fracking? Uh, that has supplied us with a lot more energy here in the United yes. States. What is the yes. objection to it? So, look, uh, fracking. Ex if oh, wait, you remember first, back can, can you explain fracking to people? Because a lot of people don't know, even know what that is. Yes. So fracking was simply a smarter way to be able to get more gas out of the underground. So typically we've been sucking out gas that was just lying in a big pool uh, uh, down, you know, uh, uh, perhaps a mile below uh, the ground. Uh, but now fracking basically means that because we can drill in all kinds of directions and we can uh, slightly uh, uh, sort of make make the uh, uh, make the underground a little more porous, we can actually get a lot more gas out. And so it was it was a fairly you know simple innovation. It took a long while and you know cost perhaps ten billion dollars. But what we now know is that this generates uh, probably a revenue beyond $100 billion every year for the US. You're simply $100 billion richer. It also creates environmental problems, mostly air pollution and water pollution. Much of this is, uh, can be regulated and, and dealt with with good regulation. But it probably creates you know, environmental damages in the order of 10 or $20 billion. So it's not without problems. But if you get a, a proposition where, yes, you'll have damages for about 10 to $20 billion, but you'll get benefits for $100 billion, and it will allow the US to have reduced emissions more over the last 10 years than any other nation on the planet. I think it's worth saying that sounds like a pretty good deal. And that's, of course, what the rest of the world should be doing. The US has done this, but China hasn't, Europe hasn't, many other places haven't. And not only would that reduce our emissions, which of course is nice for long-term global, uh, 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 global warming, but crucially, it would also mean that Europe, for instance, could stop being dependent on Russian oil. Why does, uh, reason, why does getting uh, yeah, natural gas out of fracking, how did, how did, why does that reduce emissions? Uh, because gas emits a lot less CO2 than coal does uh, for every unit of, of energy. Uh, so, you know, typically the U.S. used to get like 40, 50 percent of its electricity from coal. And what happened was when gas became really cheap because of fracking, you switched most of that to gas. And so instead of uh, generating a lot of electricity with very polluting coal, you generated it with much less polluting, still polluting, but much less polluting gas. That's a great move. And again, remember, this is not about finding a way to go to net zero right away. It'd be wonderful if we could, but this is about finding a way to cut emissions and switching from coal to gas does that. That's why this would be beneficial. It would probably be the best thing we could do if we could get China to do it, because remember, they use an enormous amount of coal. They use more than half the world's coal uh, every year. But also, 
it would be a phenomenal opportunity for Europe to get rid of their dependence on Russian gas. All right, Bjorn, can you hang on? Sure. All right, this is Bjorn Lomborg. He's president of the Copenhagen Consensus, a visiting fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institution. Uh, his latest book is False Alarm, How Climate Change Panic Causes Trillions, Hurts the Poor, Fails to Fix the Planet. We're talking to him now over the mess we're in, particularly when it comes to gas from Russia. Nuclear power and fracking really are the answers. We'll get more into it when we come back. John and Ken, KFI. John and Ken Show, John Cobell, Ken Shampoo, KFI, AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We have Bjorn Lomborg with us. He is, as far as I'm concerned, the most rational voice out there about uh, climate change and about uh, all this uh, energy crisis uh, news that we're going through. President of the Copenhagen Consensus, visiting fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institution, Yes, acknowledges climate change, but says we're going to have to adapt and innovate our way out of it. And one or two of the things we ought to be doing is uh, not close down any more nuclear plants because the nuclear power is quite valuable and and keep doing the fracking. And that's what Europe ought to be doing, too. Yeah, Bjorn, I mean, there seems to be a disconnect. And you write in your latest column that uh, solar and wind deliver less than 4% of Europe's total energy which may seem shocking considering all the talk about how they want to go to these types of renewables. The disconnect is it's not really possible in our modern world to have enough renewable energy from these types of sources to power all the economies, is it? It's certainly not right now. Uh, remember, uh, what you typically hear is how much solar and wind you get of your electricity. But remember, electricity is only a small part. So globally, it's about a fifth or 20% of the total energy we use. And if you look at all of the energy, because obviously we need all of that energy to keep our prosperous societies running, it is only about 4% that comes from solar and wind in Europe, and it's only about 3% in the US. So yes, solar and wind does have a space, but they're not the ones that are gonna make or power most of the 21st century for a very simple reason. What are you going to do when the sun is not shining and the wind is not blowing? People love to say, oh, but batteries. But remember, batteries cover a very tiny part. So if you take the entire world's energy consumption, uh, sorry, electricity consumption, and you take the entire world's uh, batteries, they can store what's the equivalent of one minute and 25 seconds of our electricity. It's a little more in the U.S., but not much more. So fundamentally, we can survive for the next one minute and 25 seconds, and then we have to switch back to fossil fuels, mostly. And by 2030, if we dramatically ramp up our uh, investments in, in batteries, we might be able to store about 10 minutes. But remember, we have to make it through at least a night, because we know every day there's a night where solar delivers nothing. And every year, there's like uh, large lulls. And in Germany, we know that uh, every year there's about five days where the wind virtually doesn't blow. You need batteries for much, much longer. This is one of the reasons why solar and wind may be cheap when the sun is shining and the wind is blowing, but it's actually pretty expensive if you want it 24-7. I saw news stories that the winds in the North Sea 
off the coast of Great Britain ha- have been um, a little weak recently, hmm. and, and that has caused energy production problems. That, and this is one of the problems that has caused much of the high energy costs in Europe before uh, uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, because winds were unseasonably slow over the last year. So almost through all of 2021, you know, people will often say, oh, but you know, if it doesn't, if the wind doesn't blow somewhere, it'll blow somewhere else. Well, actually, that's not quite true. And certainly when you look even in a big area like Europe, which is pretty much like, uh, you know, continental U.S., you have a situation where actually almost all of this area for almost an entire year was below average. That's why we ran down our gas storage because we had to run gas instead. And that's why we're so dependent on Russia now. So the fundamental point is we love to say, oh, we're you know uh, going towards a renewable future. But the reality is for all the rich countries in the world, we get about four fifths. So about 80% of our energy from fossil fuels. And that is not likely to change much into the future. Sure, if you get much more solar and wind, if you make huge subsidies, you might get that down another five or 10%. But this is not what's gonna matter. This is not what's gonna make the whole world switch over uh, to green energy. And that's why I think the, the Russian attack in some way has shown us very clearly this illusion we have that, oh, we're all just gonna go green. No not unless we get much more innovation and we get green energy to be much cheaper. What explains the relentless hype about green energy, considering the numbers you just laid out? So I think there's a couple of things. I mean, there's wishful thinking. We all like to believe that it's easy to do stuff. Uh, and, and again, as you also pointed out several times, look, global warming is a real problem. It's not this end of the world kind of thing that many people like to point out it is, but it's a problem. And it's certainly something that we should work on fixing. But when people then say, oh, it's going to be cheap, it's going to be great, it's actually going to make us richer and you know create more jobs. <laughs> well, again, Russia's invasion is a great example of how this doesn't actually work. Remember, the energy prices has just gone up dramatically. This is exactly what green campaigners would like because it will make us buy less fossil fuels. But actually what it does is it creates inflation, it makes us poor, it makes us produce less, it has lots of negative consequences. We don't like a world where we don't have access to lots of energy. And that's why instead of telling the true story, which is this is going to be really hard and difficult and it's gonna hurt quite a bit. Lots of people who are arguing that we should just go uh, down the green road would love to make it uh, look like this, you know, uh, unicorns and rainbows all the way. It's not. And it is a really big and costly affair. Uh, you know, uh, just to give you one example, uh, McKinsey just came out with a new study that shows that going net zero will cost the world $9.2 trillion every year. That's about 10% of global GDP. That's just not going to happen. All right. So are the green energy fanatics, are they ignorant of this? They, they must be aware yeah. of everything you're saying. Well, <laughs> it depends a lot on who you talk to. Uh, you know, if you read most uh, sort of mainstream newspapers, you'll get the impression that this is just uh, inevitable. This is wonderful. And it's, you know, it's great. So I, I understand why most people who sort of regurgitate that argument really believe this is just going to be cheap and great. You know, if you buy, you, you just had 
you know, an advertisement for solar panels on, on your own radio show. And if you buy this, you're going to get lots of support for uh, California State and probably also some from the federal government. So it's going to feel cheap to you. But of course, somebody has to pay all those subsidies. And that's why it ends up being pretty expensive. I, I agree with you that a lot of these sort of more nationally prominent people, they know that there are all these challenges. And I think this is why we need to be more honest about saying we're never going to get the green energy revolution before we invest a lot more into innovation so that we actually get green energy to become so cheap that everybody wants them. Remember, nobody actually had to legislate the fracking revolution. It happened simply because we could make gas much cheaper. Gas happened to cut carbon emissions a lot. And that is a wonderful story, but it also shows only when green or relatively green technologies are so cheap everybody wants them, can you actually get people to buy them? Well, Bjorn, I could, we could talk to you all day. This yeah, is we a, really appreciate you coming on again I, today. I, I read all, all the stuff, uh, all your uh, columns and articles wherever I find them. So keep up the good work. Hey, we'll cool. have you on again. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. All right. John, uh, it's Bjorn Lomborg Bye. is president of the Copenhagen Consensus, and he's a visiting fellow. We're talking to him now at Stanford University's Hoover Institution. You can check out his latest book, False Alarm, How Climate Change Panic Costs Us Trillions, Hurts the Poor, Fails to Fix the Planet. And again, like I said, there's this disconnect among the renewable people that we're not there yet. You know, and I'm thinking about Newsom. Apparently, he declared yesterday in his State of the State speech, we're, we're not, we're not going to repeat the mistakes of the past and do more oil drilling. I, I mean, we're, we're done with fossil fuels. No, well, that that sounds except, nice, but except it's, it's that's what I mean. It's never going to happen because it's wrong. <laughs> there, there's, we're leading it, the way, the impossible. California way. I mean, what what he said, you you take all the battery storage uh, that exists, and it would power Europe for uh, a minute and twenty five seconds. A minute and 25 seconds. I think he said the globe. But, like the, and yeah, in his article, it was Europe, but maybe the globe. Uh, either way, it makes the point. There simply is no battery storage that exists yet. And it's yeah. not happening not anytime there soon. Yet. And meanwhile, people have to live and the economy has to go on. All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI. John and Ken Show, John Cobelt and Ken Shampoo, KFI, AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Are you bummed by another loss of the baseball season? Oh, week? yeah. Uh, definitely. The week is gone. Definitely, because uh, this is the weekend I'm going to Arizona to uh, watch spring training. And well, that's I'm, not happening. I'm going to be uh, sitting in uh, the stands uh, looking at an empty field. Well, you are going to do that? I'm going to go find college games. Anything. Naked? Maybe maybe the Little League games. I'm going to be the weird guy in the stands. You have a kid on the team? No, no. I just like to watch him play. That's creepy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, That's all I got. It, That's all he I got. There's other things you can do Stupid with bastard. your guy friends. Yes, but they're... <laughs> Go drink. Get your mind out they're of the gutter. All, I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> oh, hookers? <laughs> <laughs> they're all less wholesome. Doesn't all that stuff happen anyway when you're on these trips? Or No. No, no. no. We have prayer meetings. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Meditation. Meditation. Sage. Yeah, that's right. We wave sage around the room. Uh, We experience mindfulness, yoga. Do you want me to give you some edibles that you can bring? (laughs) Well, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Since there's no baseball. They flip over tarot cards. They really have a good time. Uh, Anyway, well, that's the uh, news this afternoon. MLB has canceled another week of games. I tell you, I'm driving out there. 
because I, I just don't want to deal with airports and planes and masks and things. But I am timing it so that I get as much of my gas as possible in Arizona. I was going to say, you got to spend a lot of money to drive to Arizona. Yeah, well, a lot less if I buy all the gas there. So, uh, well, you have to start with gas, so you're buying it right. here. From here to the border. Everything else will be Arizona gas. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, it's got to be at least a dollar something cheaper there, right? Yeah. It's probably uh, probably in the low fours, I would guess. I'll look it up. Uh, the news today with the Ukraine-Russia war going on, of course, the big story was that Russia has bombarded Ukrainian cities, and uh, one of the big attacks today, apparently one of their missile strikes struck a maternity hospital in the south of that country where a number of people were hurt. Um, also, more and more companies are pulling out. Carlsberg, the world's third largest brewer, will stop selling its flagship beer brand in Russia. How about that? Yeah, that'll break them. You show them. Joining Starbucks and McDonald's and all the other. Now, apparently a U.S. intelligence analysis, and you know, again, for what that's worth, it's been... Oh, wait a second. Would that be the intelligence group that missed uh, 9-11? And missed and maybe, the uh, lack of weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, those guys? And may have also missed that the Afghan army wasn't going to stand up yeah. to the Taliban. That's another one. That's uh, three uh, golden highlights in the last 20 years. Well, they probably have many victories. We just don't talk about them. Many correct analysis. They uh, came out with a report in January that what really Russia wants to do is they do not want to direct conflict with the United States forces. But they want what's described as a sphere of influence over much of the former Soviet Union. This is why Putin has been eyeing Ukraine for so long. It's probably one of the biggest properties he could bring back into the fold. They want to dominate Ukraine and other countries. Uh, they don't really want to have a showdown with us over world power. Yeah, I don't I don't believe anything the intelligence operation says. What do they know? Seriously, what do they know? Yeah, well. I, I Because they've been wrong on so many big things. They can put out the little paper. It's like, well, we don't think he's going to do that. And then, boom, he does that. Because he wakes up in a bad mood on Sunday morning and uh, he, he, he decides he's going to do something provocative. Well, I think the buildup of troops was him trying to get his way, and then when he didn't, that's when he said, well, i got to follow through and invade. There's a tremendous amount of damage being done, and it'll build over time by this economic boycott. It has shut down everything. Big and small businesses who rely on any product from outside Russia can't get it, and they can't get money. And their savings are have have uh, have become worthless, and they can't travel. Uh, it it's it's really bad. You're going to see a lot of small businesses close, and and even larger businesses suffer because they can't sell their products outside of Russia, and they can't get any supplies from outside Russia. I mean, this 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 is going to completely destroy their economy. Well, apparently they are now officially the most sanctioned nation on the planet. Uh, data from a global database that tracks sanctions showed that Russia was already the second most sanctioned country in the world before February 22nd <clears throat> with about 2,800 sanctions. 
<laughs> and Iran it, had thirty six hundred, but now Russia has five thousand five hundred and thirty two sanctions okay. that have been levied well, on it. All right, this is why I was mocking the sanctions. Uh, because they already had thirty six hundred sanctions and it didn't stop Putin the from invasion. invading Ukraine. Right. And now we piled on another two thousand sanctions. And he's he's not uh uh, uh, issuing any ceasefires, is he? So, but well, well, so he's got fifty. And what I said is, is this going to crush the economy? It will. But he doesn't care. See, he doesn't care. We. But but this time the economy is hurting. The ruble is rubble. Things are really plummeting. Uh, that may matter to other people around Putin or well, to anybody that has any kind of. Uh, if, if he can't, he can't. He can't be that much of a strong man. He well, just can't be. If one of them has a gun, then yeah. So we'll just sit and wait. Yeah, I. That's that's. He's got nowhere to climb down from this. This is such a huge humiliation to have these uh, penny-ante Ukrainians battling him to a draw. And and then his his economy has been vaporized in a matter of days. Now he's going to be poison in Russia. That's the part that's frightening. What does he do when he realizes he has no way out of this? Well, after the sanctions that were levied on Russia uh, from their annexation of Crimea, apparently, you're right, what they did was they just increased their reserves. There was $430 billion in May 2014. Now there's $640 billion. And it, of course, as we were just talking about, is largely through the sale of oil and gas, which is why there's pressure now on uh, European countries other than the United Kingdom to also ban the importation of Russian oil. But we just talked about with Bjorn Lomborg, those countries count so much on well, Russian energy. Right, because they have they have mismanaged their energy policy. You know, we're pretty bad here, but the European countries are worse because, you know, they went whole hog into this wind and solar fantasy. And, and it doesn't work. And and they should be they should be um, doing their own fracking. They ought to be using their own natural gas. But I we got I got to repeat what we talked about yesterday because I, I read another account that this is this is really true, is that Germany got all whipped up in this green energy cult, and fifteen years ago they produced more natural gas than the Soviet, than the than Russia. And what happened is Russia paid for activists to yell and scream about green energy. Those activists successfully intimidated German politicians who decided they have to be cool and hip and let's go green energy. Well, they ran Germany into an energy ditch now, and they're being held hostage by Russia. And that's why they were so reluctant to get on board with, this, uh, with these uh, sanctions to begin with. Because Russia could shut down the country. Putin could wake up tomorrow and it's like, that's it. No more gas. No more gas. And, yeah, and, right. and everybody in Germany will just freeze. In fact, you know what Germany does? And this is another thing in Bjorn Lomborg's story we didn't get a chance to get to. They burn a lot of wood in Germany, which is the dirtiest of them all. Not to mention they have to cut down forests. So Germany's going to go back to wood burning. I mean, it's incredibly dirty dumb, mismanaged energy policy they have. And we're halfway there in this country. And boy, is this going to look stupid a few years down the road. This is going to be a whole history book by itself.
how people got caught up in this bizarre hatred of fossil fuels before the they had a replacement. Much of Europe's energy for heat comes from the world's oldest energy source, burning wood. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I No. So they're, they're, they're burning coal again in Germany? They're burning I thought wood. they were using the natural gas from Russia to heat the homes. Or... They, they do, but it, it's, it's not enough. You know, the wind, the, the wind has fallen short. The solar has fallen short. They're turning off their nuclear power plants. They yeah, just... Apparently, electricity and heat and gas only provides 40% of Europe's uh, heating needs. No. They, 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 they've made every mistake because they, they don't use rational thinking. They use magical thinking. Uh, it was groupthink. All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI. Did you see uh, Stolichnaya Vodka has changed its name? Yeah, I did see that. Just Stoli. Yeah, I think that's what people called it anyway. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, because it's a Russian word meaning metropolitan. But actually, the company started in Latvia, so they just want to uh, completely disassociate it. Yeah. Damn Putin. Right. Johnny Ken show on KFI. Hey, if you ever, this is proof that the media loves what we call the fringe outlier shock stories. So the Elsie Gunther Times story actually was about, and these always make the news, these gas stations that have, you know, prices now that are approaching $8 a gallon. You've seen them. I mean, most prices so far in the five to six, six something range, but there's a few in L.A., Six ninety five, six ninety nine, seven oh five for a gallon of regular unleaded. So they sent the reporter named Sam Dean to find out how this is so. Uh, and a lot of them, it turns out, they're in places like Fairfax, San Vicente, La Cienega, Beverly. Uh, the reasons were varied. The customers, which is the first side of this, were often people who were in a rush or who actually went and filled up their car there. Because you may wonder, who the hell would buy gas at a place that's like 50 cents to a dollar more a gallon from the one down the street? Who does that? Everybody's seen these uh, yeah. incredibly high-priced stations somewhere, particularly around uh, the busier parts of L.A. And, and so this reporter talked to them. Uh, most of them were in a rush. Some were a little lost. And, of course, some were just using a company car card and didn't really care. So that's apparently who frequents these stations. And then from the other side, why are the prices so high? Well, some of it is because the land, the place that the gas station is at, is very expensive property. So you have to kind of factor that in to the cost well, of, your, of your goods. There was one guy who amused me at uh, Beverly Center. The owner of the station is Charles Khalil. And he says, well, people shopping around the Beverly Center are just willing to pay. He's been there uh, for 30 years, and he's always kept the prices high. His mortgage payments are high. And uh, he, uh, if people pay, then why not charge him that? Yeah. Well, he did say, though, when his franchise agreement expires in a few years, he'll probably try to sell because it doesn't pay to be a gas station with the value of the land in the middle of a shopping district. That's why he says he has to price his, uh, and, his gas that high. And most of the revenue comes from his convenience store anyway. Even at the prices he charges, uh, gas has a fairly low profit margin compared to snacks and drinks. Uh, so he, People he just stop in there for, for Fritos and well, Coke? It's, just... Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, he's got a, uh, his real business is running a 
National Convenience Store Marketing Consulting Firm. That's a mouthful. So he, he does marketing consultancy for for convenience stores. And so he kept two gas stations and their attached convenience stores to m- test market products. He puts the products from the companies he works with to see if they sell. Right. And then he's got some real-world uh, advice to give to his clients. Yeah, he says that gas has a fairly low profit margin, and he gets much more profit margins out of his snacks and drinks. Once you put in all the labor costs and the taxes, he holds on to his two locations in part to serve as test sites for his consulting firm to better understand how new products play in the market. That's a pretty good idea. Then they talked to another customer who simply said, my car was running on empty. I had no choice. This is the closest gas station. This is on Alvera Street. In downtown L.A., he pulled up, and the price for regular was $7.05. He's the only station he knew that was close by, and he normally wouldn't stop there unless he was desperate. I know there are other stations, but they're out of the area. No, I went uh, I went driving around for gas the other night. You I, did? I, well, I, when I was out uh, shopping for my uh, nuclear supplies, <laughs> I crossed the street. I only had, that about says it all. I only had 40 miles left in my tank, so I looked at this station. It was Shell, I think, and it was 6.08. And I'm not doing that. I was just driving down Olympic Boulevard, and there was, there was uh, station 5.49, 60 cents less. Less. Was 60 it one cents. of the off-brand ones? Yes, it was called United Oil. Yeah, United Oil, I've seen those. They're always like that much less than the... Uh, I don't know what, what came out of the pump, but it was 60 cents less a gallon. So, 20-gallon right, tank. We... Yeah. You're going to get to Arizona. That's $12. It was $12 cheaper. The uh, There's more lawsuits against the L.A. County DA. will be at the Recall DA George Gascon desk when we come back. These were two deputy DAs who were actually like bureau chiefs. And you should hear their stories. We'll be talking to Eric Sadal in the L.A. County Association of Deputy DAs next. John and Ken Show, KFI. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumber5Casino.com. High Five Casino. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. 